0: When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now, from the top dog's kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. Thank you so much, Gary. We really miss you. This is the Terrence and Philip Show, and I am Philip Hodgetts.
1: And I'm Terrence Curran. And today, I'm surprising Philip with a subject that he doesn't know I'm going to talk about just to keep things shaken up. How interesting. <laughs> so I've been kind of, uh, actually, it's it's spawned by one of the things that you do at the end of every podcast where you go do something creative. And I started making me think because I've been focused a lot on the fact that, uh, you know, technology is going to replace jobs. And what will people do after that? You know, where are mm-hmm. we going to, I don't know how society is going to shake out. I know how I would like it to. But at any rate. There's still going to be plenty of need for creativity, for yeah. storytelling in various ways, uh, ways, shapes, and forms, and so we're actually in a better position, in the industry we're in, because we're using creative our creative skill sets now, and that will continue forward. You know, there may not be remuneration because maybe nobody will need it. Maybe there'll be a basic income or whatever. However things shake out, but the bottom line is. We'll still be able to exercise our creativity in some way, shape, or form. And that got me thinking too, you know, what do I use to stay creative? What are real – what are the tricks? And I've kind of tried to force myself lately to – do something creative as often as I can. I try to you know take a picture uh every day or mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that, which is easier now with phones in hand. so I thought, hey, you know what I've, I've started putting together a list of things I can think of that you know I use, and then I looked online to find some other ideas, and you know one of the the helpful things in being creative is the spontaneousness, which is why I didn't tell you about what we 're talking <laughs> <Right>. about. <laughs> <laughs> just to, I see. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, that's, I just wanted to throw it out free form. Probably w- the one most important creative tool that I've found and that's helped me overall is getting away from something. So, I, most of my best creative ideas seem to come when I'm either walking, and I do a lot of walking, yeah. or in the shower, or, you know, sitting in a hot tub or something like that where I'm just, you know, I'm oh, I relaxed, feel-
0: I'm not thinking about other things, and boom. I particularly that works really well for Greg because if he's running into a problem where he's trying to code something and it's just like not happening, just can't work out what direction to go. We'll go for a walk and he'll start talking about the, the problem and generally speaking, by the time we get back from the walk, at least he has another angle to try, if not a precise answer. But he's got something. It's like, oh, I could do that. And so there's been this um, moment of creativity. mm mm-hmm. Probably a good idea to back up a little bit and point out that creativity doesn't just mean art. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. Writing code, although it's not very artistic or crafty, is very creative. Designing a garden can be incredibly creative. Growing a garden, I mean. Exactly. Well, it's thinking outside the box and coming up with different – solutions to
1: a problem if if code wasn't creative you'd just be rewriting code that's already been
0: done yeah i mean i like i like the idea that creativity is really finding solutions to problems yeah it is and it's really in the name itself the clue is right there (laughs) create are you creating something yeah if you are creating something you are probably being creative (laughs) and not to spell it out so bluntly, but um, I have learned from Larry Jordan that I need to back up and make sure people understand where I'm coming from. So let's make sure we understand that (laughs) we are coming from the same place. You can be creative in ways that are not traditionally thought of being creative. I like the idea of keeping fresh. I mean, one of the I think, great things about for me learning to sing in the last couple of years is that it's created a whole lot of new pathways in my brain. It's made me forced to look at things differently, look at how I breathe, how I use my chest and, and um, abdominal muscles. It's It makes me listen differently, change the way I talk. It, I like this idea of shaking things up every so often.
1: It, that's actually one of my, my points, uh, one of my bullet points here that I had down was was trying something different, mm-hmm. constantly trying different things, because it does, it shakes well, for me, I find it does two things. Like you said, it, it it shakes up. It breaks you from thinking the same way. But secondly, by exposing you to other concepts or other ideas or other examples of things,
0: you, it gives you uh, new pieces of puzzles to throw together in yeah. different ways. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you have more, pu- more pieces t- to make your puzzle work with. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, so that was, uh, that's, that's one. I mean, I, I'm going to go down my list here. Uh, listen to music. Oh, f- yeah, yeah. Find incredible.
0: Well, <laughs> 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 in and, your case, singing music. Yeah, and finding new music. <laughs> oh, because yes. so many people get locked into the music of their youth and early adulthood. Yes. And that's the music that they continue to listen to throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I spent yesterday auditioning current pop music to see what i might like to add to my playlist and strangely enough i've bought more music in the last two years than wow. i have in the entire rest of my life <laughs>
1: wow well it's easier now too much much easier
0: now too yeah but, um you know i can sit and go through 10 or 12 go through 30 songs and maybe buy eight of them yeah. in half an hour and it's so easy so all the younger people don't realize that we
1: used to have to go buy an album. Yes, yes. <laughs> if there, if, even if there's only one song you <laughs> yes, wanted, say, you had to buy the album. Two or
0: three songs that you wanted. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that that's one. Listen to music. Yeah. I, I find uh, a lot of times I'll end up if I'm listening to a song, I start putting pictures to it. Right. Yeah. You know that when when the music video thing happened in the '80s, to me that was just natural. That's that you know I'd kind of been doing that since I was a kid. It uh-huh. Just. Pictures come up, uh, stories come up when I'm hearing a song. So, it, uh, uh, you know, that's another way that it does. There's a suggestion, meditate, but it's like, I'm, I'm never going to meditate. But then again, it's been I, on my list of things to to do for the last uh, um,
0: how many twenty three months now. It was <laughs> oh, a, it was was a it was Year's resolution for 2015. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard for me
1: because that's wasted time. You know.
0: I, I am convinced I, that it would do me great good if I, probably, if I would
1: learn it. Um, and probably. And I don't think it's that
0: hard to do. Um, yeah,
1: I think you would have the exact same problem I had, which is I can't shut my brain off. There's just too many things, computations going on all the time.
0: One of the things that my uh, friend Marlon taught me was um, alternate nostril breathing. Oh, basically the, you block the one, one and one, then you, the other, yeah. You swap, swap nostrils on every breath. So to try a, to go to sleep. Well, I no, just really, I found it, particularly any time that I'm really stressed, mm-hmm. that it will help me calm down. When my mum had her skin problems, um, she'd get very itchy. I showed her that, and she would, um, when she remembered, mm-hmm. uh, like basically when I was there to force her to do it, but mm-hmm. when she remembered, then it would distract her from the the itchiness and after a couple of minutes, it would it would no longer be a compulsion. Okay. So yeah, I found it. I found that has been. I I kind of think of it as meditation light. Okay. <laughs> and because I think a lot of meditation is about controlling breathing.
1: Yeah, there, And the I, other is, yes. is
0: to do some very very slow deliberate breathing. So take maybe fifteen seconds in and fifteen seconds out at the beginning, and just build up to, you know, really. Deeply spiritual people can go 30 seconds in and 30 seconds out. Me, I feel like I'm going to drown or suffocate if you I go I mean. that slope. Yeah, that's the problem so, I have is just like, come on. And and we're,
1: I'm probably going to get some nasty comments on this, right, for picking on meditating.
0: No, well, I'm, I'm very positive to it. I just haven't done it. It's, that, it's not not that I'm saying don't do it or that it's a bad thing. It's just –
1: Oh, yeah. that's. I'm not saying it's bad. It works for a lot of people. I'm just I, – I can – I know the problem I'm going to have with it is I can't, it's really, I can't not think of something. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it, and, and I know that there's tricks to focus on specific things, et cetera, et cetera, but it, I'm not going to last that long and something's going to pop up and, it, hey, that's a solution to that problem. You know, that's yeah, just how the, my brain goes.
0: I worry that it'll come up, something will pop into my mind and I'll be still deeply in, in a meditative state that I don't want to interrupt, that I will lose the idea. Yeah, that, yes, exactly. That's another. <laughs> My next one. And this is really
1: uh, kind of interesting because you already hit upon this sort of indirectly. Uh, get someone else's opinion. Yeah. You know, you were talking about it with Greg. You know, yeah. he'll take you out, go you guys are walking and then you're talking about stuff and you know
0: Oh, I am not offering any really useful advice about right. coding, but trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know enough to, to to offer general guidance into, into an area or suggestion, well, maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that. Mm-hmm. You know. um, but and that's a to me that's a
1: tricky one because it's hard, you know, like if you've done a cut. Yeah. And you want to show it to your friends. And then they go, well, you know, it sucks because it's hard not to take that personally. It is, yeah. And so it's it, that part is, it's 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 a fine line, but it's really important to get that outside viewpoint of other people, even if it's not people you trust, just to get any kind of outside viewpoint. Maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right, but, you know, it might trigger something else for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can't honestly say that I like being critiqued yeah. about anything, <laughs> but I would also have been long aware that the critique is something I can use to improve. The, those lovely, fabulous compliments about how great the presentation was or anything, that doesn't help me. It feels yes. good. Yeah. It feels, yeah. it feels really nice and yes. I'm glad I did a good yeah. job. But it's the person who says, it would be better if you could slow down a little bit because of your accent makes you harder to understand. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that for a long while. and That's <laughs> one of the side benefits that swing singing has actually done. Is ah. I tend to to speak lower and slower. Back in the the digital early days of the digital production buzz, I would have on the board "low and slow" as <laughs> a reminder to try and <laughs> to, s- to keep your to move mind. My, <laughs> yeah. Because back then I was much more up here and I was doing a, a speeding up like this and talking really fast because I had a lot of things going on in my mind. I want to get them out quickly and it's hard for people to follow when you're going that fast. Yeah, <laughs> you can slow that one down on playback, folks. <laughs> But it won't <laughs> pitch correct. It won't pitch shift anymore. It won't pitch. Be. It won't right. even pitch. <laughs> <laughs> You'll that, be talking that, real low. Just as a thing, that that being able to adjust speed without adjusting pitch is such a, a benefit. If you take oh, a yeah. music track and you just want to speed it up like 5%, um, you can do that now within. In, in With no problem. On Premiere Pro, yeah. it'll speed it up. No pitch correct, no pitch change. Perfect. It's really a useful a useful tool.
1: Yeah, well it used to be a big problem going from um NTSC to PAL. Yeah. You know, you had that that little bit of a change and it was enough to throw off the pitch and uh you know, a lot of times they just, I apparently from European friends that I've talked to over the years,
0: they just got used to it. You know, they thought everybody's voices were higher than they were. Every every feature film shot at 24 frames per second airs in the PAL country at 25, 4% faster. Yeah, so I first, it a I first, little bit. I first learned this when I was trying to synchronize the the LP of um, Mary Poppins with the actual over-air broadcast, uh-huh. and the TV kept getting faster. It's like, what? It took me <laughs> oh, probably 15 or 16 years after that that I understood why that was going on. Okay, here's a good one. Think
1: about something far away. Because research suggests that our ability to solve problems improves when we think about events that are far off, as opposed to what far forward. off in
0: time or far off in distance, or both. both. Okay, both,
1: yeah. So you can think about something way in your past, or something about in the future, or going to Disneyland or whatever. But okay. thinking about because it really just takes you out of your head and right. puts you somewhere completely unrelated, and I guess that you know helps free up, kind of like the walk, but it's in a bigger scale, I guess.
0: Which brings me to one you may have you on your list, but I learned from back in the days of the DV Companions. We had an a, a educational psychologist was part of the team. Oh, wow. And he said, you cannot have big ideas in small spaces. So we got in the habit of every time we did a, a planning day, we wanted to plan strategically the next month. Mm-hmm. What's the most important focus? Where are we going to go? What are we going to focus on? And we would always get out into a big space, you know, up at um, – the tree people up off Coldwater Canyon uh-huh. was a, was a popular one. A uh, couple of places in Griffiths Park are good, but yeah, you need to get That's out of the big space. Yeah. That's now, a good course, point. Now, of course, we live in a big space the entire time, so <laughs> yeah. And we find that the part probably related is we find the need to get out of the house and go and do something like go for a drive, go somewhere else, has reduced because we're in a big expanse of view mm-hmm. all the time. We get you know lots of natural light all day and into the evening. So, I find that helps with the bigger ideas.
1: That's because Philip
0: has a, a very panoramic view out, uh, oh, not at other very, houses. <laughs> very, very blessed. I mean, the sort of thing that you you dream of getting. And if you have that view in Burbank, you have paid an extra digit on the on the price tag <laughs> than we did, <laughs> or you bought it thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the big spaces thing, is, I think, is very important if you want to if you want to get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's related to. Putting yourself at a different, at yeah, a different like, place. That's that far away. Th- yeah,
1: exactly. Write by hand. This was a research oh, yeah, thing. I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't really aware of that. But apparently, writing by the when when people write by hand, they end up being more creative huh. than typing in in Word and so forth.
0: I found that I could write. I all my early scripts are written in pencil, mm-hmm. and then I just then I tried typing, and I could never. I'm not one of those people who can sit down and what I write is. The finished version. I need to say, "Oh, I've got a great idea for back about three lines ago. I had to change that line to make it better, or mm-hmm. an idea for later on that I just don't want to put somewhere. I to scribble it on the corner." Or mm-hmm. um, typing never ever worked, whereas word processing did. Ah, Because it has the same benefits as the – I don't but think it, it would do for the creativity, but right. certainly in terms of, of the flow, I could work, work in pencil or I could work in – Oh, yeah, plus. typewriters were horrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. You want to make a change in a typewriter, <laughs> that was just the worst thing ever. And so if you're working on you – that, that, that was comparable to linear editing. Yes, linear tape, very, video very, tape editing. very yes. comparable.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, this is another one that, that uh, I found was kind of interesting. This is, comes from a study, uh, Gesture with Two Hands. Apparently, uh, a study found that using two hands to explain something prompts the brain to consider issues from multiple perspectives. Maybe. I seeing you're using both <laughs> hands right now, and my, I don't know.
0: Maybe <laughs> Italians is very good at explaining things. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I – you know, hey, then, The downside I'm, of writing things these days is that I can't actually read anything back. Yeah. yeah. Because you know I learned to type in my mid-teens because my writing was pretty bad. Mine too. And so with all those years of no practice in between, it hasn't got any better.
1: No. <laughs> Mine's gotten atrocious.
0: <laughs> so so I'm not sure how creative it is. But the converse of that is to read something out loud. Oh, yeah. Because reading something out loud forces it through different pathways in the brain. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see mistakes on the page or you'll see mistakes in a script or a flow that you wouldn't otherwise pick up just – because you the, – the different pathways. When you read it just without um, the vocalization, you, you see it differently than if you try and force it out. Sentences that seem perfectly constructed, when you read them out loud, will be, who wrote this piece of grammatical <laughs> rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> or long run-on sentences that make no sense.
1: Yes. I, well, I find myself doing that if there's uh, a paragraph or something I'm having trouble understanding. I'll do that. I'll read it out loud. Uh, yes, yes, you know. yeah. Or if I find myself mentally on another subject while I'm reading, and then I go, oh, wait a minute, what did I miss? And I go back yeah, to where yeah, I was yeah. and I'll read it out loud for a bit to get back into it. You know, it kind of forces me to do that, uh, especially with stuff that I'm not as interested in really, but <laughs> have to read for
0: whatever reason. Um, it's also good yeah. when you've got that very highly technical stuff that you've got to yes. focus on the details rather than sort of pick up the flow. It's-
1: yeah, which is interesting because this was another conversation I had with somebody recently about the technical stuff. Oh, I remember who it was, but I can't talk about it. Uh, uh, <laughs> but that, but about you know, I was being queried about you know how do how do I approach uh, videos and and watching videos online and uh, white papers. That's what it was. The specific question was about white papers and. My thing is I rarely read them unless I'm looking for a specific technical piece of information that's right. only there. I Because, you know, you can communicate so much better with pictures. Video-wise, it's the same thing. If I go online and I'm looking for, you know, some piece of information about something, and then it's like, here's a video. No, those are. So incredibly wasteful because it takes you five minutes to watch the video to get the 30 seconds of information you want. Give me yeah. the written thing with some images for complex stuff because then I, you know, pictures yeah. worth a thousand words and I can get through it really quickly. It, it would be nice when the internet is completely filled with just that level of uh, communication, wouldn't it?
0: Yes. <laughs> well, when all of those videos are transcribed and can be searched by, by text anyway, that would be good. Yes. And pet peeve. Just have to do a pet peeve. If you're doing
1: a tutorial on something like how to use, you know, do some effect in in Media Composer, you don't need to show us the Media Composer launching. You don't need to show <laughs> us. Almost, just, just here's the effect, and you don't need to show us while the spinning beach ball is running until something happens. Just, you know, we're the, yeah. editors. Cut it out. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say,
0: it is possible to edit, you know. <laughs> exactly. It drives me nuts. Um, anyways, pet peeve. After I always have to other. remember we don't, to not move the cursor if I'm going to go back and pick up a, a oh yeah a, a, a repeat on something that I've said and screwed it up. So I make sure the cursor stays still, and then I've got to have a point where I can cut and it's not going to be obvious. Mm-hmm. But
1: well, go for a you push in for a close up.
0: Well, you can do that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Old editor tricks. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So spend time outside. That was along what we were talking about earlier with the that's bigger space. The, that's,
0: that's probably the big space thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is one I'm no good at exercise, but you know, with a hat tip to Zach from uh, our our last podcast, oh, yes, it's yeah. it is getting the, the uh, blood pumping, et cetera. I mean, there's we have a whole podcast on there if you want to know how yes. that
0: works. <laughs> yeah, we might go over that one. No, just,
1: just recently <laughs> the one with Zach and Arnold is quite recent. Um, try something new, and yes, this is this is really good. When I was reading that and um, thinking about you, I, I actually th- was thinking about you doing that when you went into to sing, basically, yeah. you know. Trying something new that way. And then even on something that's – I force myself to do things that I don't normally do. And one example is in cooking. You guys are doing it with the the, the foodies thing. Yeah. Um, I'm doing it with Blue Apron, which is the most convenient oh, yeah, thing yeah, ever. Yeah. You know, you, you, you a couple times a week we get the – all the ingredients and the instructions to make a, a oh, specific yeah, yeah. meal. It doesn't repeat, no recipe repeats over a whole year. And I'm learning all kinds of little tricks that I didn't know of in cooking and, and it expands my overall, you know, menu capabilities in
0: general. So I was I got delegated to carve the turkey on, on Thanksgiving. Had you ever done that? Uh not a turkey. I've carved um chickens before, but I Okay. It's just a bigger one, turkey, one. May have done one turkey before. But the trick with the breast, everyone slices across the breast down, you know, like the, the classic um oh, slices yeah. down the side, uh-huh. so front, like parallel with the skin more or less. Uh-huh. That is the wrong way to make the best of the bird. So you go in. You you have to cut the whole breast out and then slice it vertically.
1: Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Because
0: what you, in all slicing of meat, you want to make the meat fibers as short as they possibly can be, which is why brisket is cut really thin mm-hmm. because when you cut it really thin, all those fibers are really short and they just pop out and, and melt in your mouth. Long fibers, like if you cut the chicken breast along the long axis... They're long, chewy fibers, that, right. so you'd have to cut them with your teeth. And, so that's yeah. the cutting against the
1: grain as opposed to with the grain then. Cutting, across the, cutting yeah. across the grain, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hat Tip Alton Brown. He has a has the most wonderful visual metaphors in Good Eats, and that one was a – he had some saran wrap around a garden hose. And just oh. pointed out that if you cut it lengthwise, you'd still have those long pieces of garden hose. It's yeah. like to, to simulate a piece of muscle fiber. Oh, okay. This is and an example. It, okay. Yeah, and if you cut across it, because then – the whole bits of hose just popped out of the wrap really easily. It's like, okay. See, visual metaphors—they just convey, <laughs> yeah. the brain so well. <laughs> yes. I must have first seen that over a decade ago, and it's, not only is the mess he's stuck in there, but the metaphor is stuck in there. He's—he's he's a brilliant communicator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and he's entertaining too. And he's entertaining. Well, that's <laughs> that's what makes him a brilliant communicator. <laughs> just being full of facts doesn't make you entertaining. So here's one. Is one of my favorites,
1: because it's a uh, uh, I've watched it. Keep so many people over the years from getting things done,
0: uh, don't stress about perfection. <gasps> the perfect is the enemy of the good <laughs> that's an interesting one or um, if it's worth doing it's worth doing badly. Oh, there you go
1: yeah see I've always uh, you know, <laughs> I have to fight with my instincts to oh it's got to be perfect yeah and I and going way back to when I was in film school forever ago, and the other people that I was in film school with, I actually finished a feature a low-budget, you know, no-budget feature, none of the rest of them ever finished anything, even to this point in time, and I've done, you know, many other things, and the only difference was that I just said, I'm going to do it, I don't care, and, you know, there's constantly, this isn't going to be right, oh, crap, that's not right, you know, I mean, I'm not, am I satisfied with my project?
0: No, but it's done. (laughs) (laughs) What do we say? Shipping is a feature, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. Better to ship a version one that isn't perfect and get it out there, get feedback. You can, you know, Brad Wright told us this message very early on in our software career. Brad said, "Don't worry about beta testers. Mostly, they won't do anything." Ah, um, and, and true enough, when we were first t- beta testing first cuts, we had twenty-two people involved in a beta program, and the only piece of feedback we got was, "The beta timed out." Oh, wow. By the time they got to use it. Wow. So, so wow. that was – um, Brad said, no, just release it and then be prepared to iterate really quickly. So Greg hates me for releasing an app the week before we go to Australia. But that's beside the point.
1: Ooh, that's right.
0: <laughs> well, but he can write down there. Right? Yeah, we will have the internet. They do have it in yeah, Australia. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. It's just a lot more expensive.
1: Oh. The example I can think of is that when you sit there, let's say you're writing a script. Yeah. You know? And if you're just a scriptwriter and you don't care who's going to make it, you write whatever you want. Whatever you can think of, you can write. Mm-hmm. But if you're the filmmaker and you're sitting there writing it, you're going, well, how would I do that? Oh, I'm not going to be able to do that right. I can't – and then you're killing your creativity. Yeah, yeah, So it's it's easier actually to just go, you know, I'm now the screenwriter and just write it and yeah. don't worry about it. And then, you know, when you put on the director hat later on, figure out what you to do. You bring a different
0: creativity to it. Exactly. Yeah. When I said if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. It means even if you if it is worth doing, even if you only do it badly, it will still be worthwhile doing. Yes, that's true. So you know, striving for the perfection is is I think a mug's game because you never you're never really going to get it. My my mm-hmm. my goal with any first draft is to have a not empty page. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, (laughs) I don't really care that much of the quality of that. Mm -hmm. I'm a reasonably good writer. It's generally not complete uh, and absolute rubbish. But Mm -hmm. my goal with the first draft of anything is to have something to edit Mm -hmm. and something to improve and something to make better because, you know, we're all probably better at editing something. And we we're all really good at saying, "No, I would have cut that here, and I would have made that change to that edit, and I'd have extended that shot by another couple of frames." We all know how to re-edit somebody else's work, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and including our own, I hope. And so I don't really care about the quality of my first draft, just that I get it done. And you know, are you know, are, are all the lunch with Philip and Greg edits perfect? No. But if I were going to make them all perfect and go back and revise every edit three or four times and is it exactly in the right place, I am not going to do any more. Yes. Because that doesn't justify that. Now, if this is a a studio feature film, yes, it does justify spending an entire day to cut another 45 seconds out of the movie if you've got to make a time goal. Or it does justify spending three months fine-tuning the essentially the assemble you had within a week of the shoot. But even there, even in features or television or whatever, it's still
1: no project is ever done. No. You just run out of time or money, yeah. and that's it. You know, because you, it's never perfect. You know, no, no, you can't. It can't be. You know, and if you have enough money later on, you go back and re-edit it, like Star Wars and ET. Yeah. And, you know, anyways, it is this? You'll like this one. Hang out with sarcastic people.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm set because I it's know Greg's really good at that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because uh, sarcastic people find humorous ways of, you know, looking at things that instead of being pissed off about it, which isn't really a creative way of doing yeah. things, you know, it's how to be – which is why so many of the really smart comedians or I should say clever comedians are so entertaining they find a creative way to look at things without being upset about it because yeah. you, you can't – the being upset part doesn't fix
0: it. So many of these examples or these, these techniques really revolve around – another way of looking at something. So mm-hmm. getting out of your fixed position, changing your environment, changing your mental environment. Th- so many of them seem to have this one common thread that it's about changing the way you're thinking about something, the mindset. Editors have used it for a long time as they go and look at it re- reflected, watch the same cup, but watch it reflected or that's it on the yeah. side. Or, that's a good one. Yeah. Or something like that. Just to try and have that, that fresh perspective on something that you've watched Hundreds of times. Yes, uh, it is so hard to yes. stay fresh on something like that. And it's so hard to to perceive it as somebody who's seeing it fresh.
1: I always like Walter Murch's. You know, he has cutouts of little heads at the bottom of the screen of the monitor, <laughs> so he can get perspective. As if I was watching this in a theater, what would it really look like? Again, with the perspective. Yeah, it's a, a it change of perspective. Yeah, play at work. Well, duh. Yeah, You know, we, that's one thing I definitely put built into the uh, character of Alpha Dogs. <laughs> There's a whole lot of play goes on here. It is so important to, well, it keeps the stress down, which I yeah. guess is how it really helps creativity more than anything. But, yeah, it's, it's you know,
0: by playing, you're challenging in different ways, too. You're trying, yeah.
1: getting different viewpoints, et cetera.
0: And you're giving your mind space to be away from the problems you might be trying to solve. Yeah. Because when you're playing a game, you're not, Clearly are not thinking about the problem before yeah, your mind true. has got a chance to go and actually work on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think thinking about a problem is counterproductive. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Here's a really important one.
1: List problems. So keep a notebook handy at all times and throughout the day jot down pesky annoyances. You might come up with a creative solution to one of the issues. And when I was reading this one, I was going, oh, and I could give a perfect uh, example right to date is your new software because you put on there on Facebook that the reason that you guys thought of this software is because of what somebody said when you were at the uh, FCPX thing. Creative Summit, yeah, yeah, and it's and and that's a perfect example. It was it it wasn't something you were looking for, but it came from somewhere else. And if you didn't note that, or however you keep track of it, it might be gone and it might not happen. Yeah, so it's really important to do that. The
0: it was an annoyance for somebody else. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, well, all good software comes out of a personal problem. Yeah, I guess it makes I mean, sense. Whether, whether it's something that I've experienced or Greg's experience. not so much Greg, but you know, Lumberjack was written for me. Now, it's been expanded to meet other people's problems, solve other people's problems as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But this one was to solve Ben's problem because he has a whole bunch of material. That Caterp- he works for Caterpillar as a senior editor. Mm-hmm. And so machines from all over the world and having to find a particular machine from a particular date in a particular country requires a very complex asset management system. And we all know the one truth about asset management systems – they're much easier to buy than they are to use, <laughs> <laughs> and not use in sense of get the benefit back out of them. It's the it's the amount of effort that it takes to, to put to do it yeah. to do it to put. You know, it's not well like any piece of software. It's not the piece of software that costs the money. It's the time you're going to spend learning how to use it mm-hmm. that cost you the, the is the biggest investment. So these come. This came out of a particular need that somebody had, and we thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and since people probably don't know what we're talking about, oh, we're talking since about we're not backing up like
0: uh, Larry Jordan told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about FinderCat, which is an application that takes Final Cut Pro ten keywords and t- turns them into uh, Finder tags. Finder tags are keywords on your files in Mac OS uh, Finder, OS X as it used to be called. And there are very, very powerful tools. And I have to say, I feel very challenged because I feel like I've been missing out on the benefit of Finder tags Really? But, yeah, they, finder the tags were introduced within Mavericks, I think about 10.9 or something like that. Uh, very flexible, really powerful searching. Capabilities within within the Finder. Mm-hmm. In theory, you could even search with Siri in the latest release, but my experiments were not very good. Uh-huh. I may have to tell Siri on my desktop that that I'm I'm Australian, not American. That <laughs> may help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've realised that a lot of things that I've I've meticulously filed in folder and folder and folder could be more quickly found if I if I had it just all tagged
1: of, it all I with all it that. Was like,
0: here's the application name, and here's the fact there's an icon. So if I want to find find a cat icon, I just open any Finder window and say tag, colon, Final Cut, and, literally, and, you'd just type in the word and, icon. And it would give me the little list of anything that matched, The probably four files on my system, right. wherever they're stored. So what we do is we take, you know, keywords have been applied in Final Cut Pro 10. Right. So we just make these keywords embedded in the file, the media file, um, so that they travel with the media file and... S- Are those the which shows up if you do like a get info on yeah, a file? Yeah, yeah, Okay, and you have all the. So, yeah. So, okay, yeah. And usually, in the default view in a list in a finder window, that the very bottom is all tags and recently used tags mm-hmm. but you can go find in any window and tags are one of the options that you can search by and you can do compound searches it's all the same sorts of searches and filtering that you can do inside Final Cut pro ten on keywords. Mm-hmm. You can just do it in the finder. The caveat is that we don't do keyword ranges with you know it's it 's a applies oh, okay. to the whole piece of media, mm-hmm. so yeah it's fine to find the piece of media where exactly in there the particular keyword is applied. Isn't possible with Finder Cat One 0. Oh. there
1: <laughs> it was a I little hint there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what hey, infer a hint if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what? Uh, there's some additional creativity it, has been applied. Why in is the thinking it called about that. Finder Cat? Where did the name come from? It's Finder Catalog. Oh, okay. And it's a nice little alliterative of Final Cut find a Cat. Okay. And who did the logo? I did the logo. That was cute. Thank you. Yeah. Every time I do a logo, I think, think this is my new favorite logo ever. Best logo ever. <laughs> so, and they, all, all our logos got a refresh uh, a couple of weeks ago to, to be more – all our Final Cut 10 apps got a refresh to be congruent with the new design of the Final Cut Pro 10 I- icon. It's a, oh. The colors are much more saturated. Okay. So just change that out and time to give them a refresh and make them more sparkly. Cool. (laughs) Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Shipping is a feature, as I said
1: earlier. (laughs) Uh, And where would somebody go to get that? Well, it's in the the App Store, right? It's in the Mac App Store. It's the only place you can get it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Create a treasure chest. I thought this was interesting. So collect inspiring items like photos, quotations, trinkets, et cetera. Every time you open the box, you'll feel newly excited and remember ideas you had in the past. Now, I've never done that specifically, but I have written down – Ideas I've had in the past on scrap pieces of paper that are sort of shoved in a shelf okay. and every once in a while I come across that and I'll pull it out and I'm like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so I, I can see where this actually does work yeah no, I've never tried that but... yeah it's kind of interesting I, it, it's funny that I don't have a there's not a legitimate place for all my stuff to go so I find these pieces of scraps
0: I could be inspired by all the stuff I dig up in our yard <laughs> which is an which amazing variety of things. Nobody so far, yeah, no, so <laughs> far, that you know about. Something was crunchy, but... Uh, well, somebody says that they've, there is a car buried under our driveway. I'm, I'm dubious, but but not completely dismissing it. A car buried under the driveway. That would be hard to do. Well, yeah. who said that? Who suggested that? A neighbor across the road. What, what makes them think that? Well, I... Probably since they've only lived there three years, probably they didn't see it happen. It's probably second-hand knowledge. Oh, okay. In which case, I'm a little more dubious about it. But there's a lot of strange stuff buried, um, including a whole bunch of electronics like I dug up earlier in the year. Can't you rent a, like, a metal detector? Go through the yard? That would be fun. Uh, I think it would trigger every second. F-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, who knows what you might find out there. so
0: much junk. I mean, there's literally hundreds of printed per- circuit boards, rolls of old Buried? Um, yeah.
1: So, what would they do? They go out and dig a hole and throw this stuff yeah, in. Well,
0: I, yeah. Well, yeah. Chatsworth Data Corporation from the 1990s, Somebody dated the the integrated circuits that were in there, like tubes of integrated circuits. He mm-hmm. said that um, week twenty four of nineteen ninety one that they're all four or whatever. It's the code tells you when it was manufactured, apparently. And so they're from the early nineteen nineties. That it looked it looked like somebody was ready to do a big production run on something brand new oscilloscope with the plastic still on the front. Um, and this was buried in the yard? Buried in the yard. What if they stole it somewhere or something? I don't know. That's just so weird. It's so weird. The property, that we're, this is completely a side of creativity, but, yeah. it is inspiring. Well, but it's inspiring.
1: But it is inspiring, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, apparently, neither the neighbor across the street nor the property owners in the house we now own had a garbage service. We're outside the city, so oh, so rather than pay $39 a quarter to WM, or I think it's a quarter – they would bury their rubbish oh, on the that's side, why. so you know.
1: See, I was forming all kinds of stories in my head already. So there you go; it is a creative thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's just so bizarre that, that yes. to think that somebody would try and bury all of their, yes. their you know rubbish on the property. I mean, I, yeah. there's a lot you can recycle, but still. Yeah. It's b- b- bizarre. So it wasn't until after we got a garbage service that the, the truck started to go past, that the neighbor across the street decided that after three years, she should probably. Get in on that.
1: So she's been burying her trash.
0: For I don't know what she's been doing with it. All I know is that for three years she lived there without any trash service.
1: I'm making a face right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and coming up with lots of stories. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: um, all right. So well, let's see. What's the next one I hear? Oh, free think and write ideas down. Well, that kind of ties with the other one. But, yeah. uh, it is the concept of dedicating time. To doing that and saying, I'm just, I'm not going to think about stuff I'm working on. I'm not going to think yeah. about anything going on. I'm just going to free think about stuff. Well, there is, there is. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah, this is a why lot we got podcasts. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of research that says drinking alcohol. Is good for creativity, not getting wasted, but no, you no. Know, having a few drinks. Uh, right.
0: I've, I've I've long said that give me a bottle of wine and a joint, and I probably come up with a business idea in in a couple of hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not necessarily one that I would necessarily follow, yeah. but yeah. there would be an opportunity. When you read to, it the
1: next day, you might go, hmm, "What the
0: hell?" No, I generally they're not bad ideas. It's just, oh, okay. like, do I really need another business in my life? I think two companies is enough. Yeah, and one of the reasons why we don't have haven't paid any more uh, new apps for two years is there is a certain commitment to maintaining an app. You know, for example, Final Cut got a recent upgrade, 10.3. Well, it took Greg nearly three months to make sure that all of our apps would work with the new version of XML. Oh, wow. Um, and so very little development, very little else got done in that period of time, um, which is annoying because we've got some really great ideas.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the downside to the way Apple does the development is all the third-party people, it's like, ah. Here we go again.
0: We've been fortunate that if, if a release is likely to affect the workflows that we need that go around final copy. In other words, if it affects the XML, we generally get enough advance notice under the strictest NDA Uh that we, we have time to make sure everything works when it's released. And this time there was an extra round of testing that was, that was done because we were, none of us in the beta program were aware of the actual build that was being released. Oh, okay. Greg noticed on some of the XMLs he got back from within the within the Final Cut Pro ten team um, that they had a different build number. Ah. Uh, and so the reason, of course, is that they had support for the touch bar, mm-hmm. which none of us could have any, any clue right, on. Because, you couldn't know about yeah. No, because Alex Ford, Alex Goldner will open up the package and say, "Huh, ah, what's this touch bar thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good at finding the future of Final Cut Pro ten in the iMovie bundle. Mm. <laughs> So I think I think we were you know, it, very much on a need to know basis. So there are lots of releases where we find out about the release the same day as everybody else does because there's no need for us to be involved. Right. And so it's only when it has has that effect that we get involved. I'm not sure that was to do with creativity, but it's to do with the Well, it's the, how creative you have to be to stay ahead. Well you've got to you've got to constant that you can't just go off and do apps because you've got an idea. It's gotta be a good enough idea that you can commit to the time to support it. And you know, in through all the most unru- unusual situations that people will come up with, mm-hmm. we you know, typically in that period we've done no new apps. There've been fifty updates, fifty to sixty updates a year across the the five apps in the seven apps that are active. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah,
1: it's hard yeah. to be creative going forward. And this is don't. why this
0: is why this is why people don't understand. Or what people don't understand is that you you do a ten dollar app and we get seven dollars. You get about two and a half minutes of support <laughs> before we before we're making a loss, yeah 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 <laughs> um, and that's the downside of you know you cannot support to the level that people want you to in expensive apps it's just not possible, mm-hmm. which is you know i'm sure my support at um Companies like Avid is not what it was when they nah, were. what it was no. When they were charging two and a half thousand or thirty thousand dollars for a media composer with hardware. Or,
1: yeah, well, and it's why Blackmagic support is not AJA's support. Yeah,
0: because well, it, it costs. It, yeah, it's it a costs. very real cost. Yeah, to a developer, uh, anything. So here's okay. So this is a, a, an interesting. Oh, I'm just thinking about it. all of these oh. things with the, with the wide open spaces. Yeah, and our audience is going to be largely people who live who work in small dark rooms. Yes, I know. so <laughs> I'm just thinking about the complete. You know, we're in one of those small dark rooms recording this. Yes. Uh, uh, it's just, yeah, we're really telling people to go and do the exact opposite of what they do all day every day in order to be creative so they can be creative at the job they do in the non-creative environment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but it does. When I'm editing, yeah. I will just get up and go for a walk. Yeah. And, you know, I'll go walk around a couple of blocks and, and that, generally stuff sort of works out in my head and I come back with a new, you know, fresh
0: approach. can be hard to explain to a producer in the room though.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's – uh, you Rent you hit the render bar is what you do. I mean, you hit the render button.
0: Yeah, I got to render this, and uh, it'll then boom. will be 20 minutes of rendering. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah.
1: And if it's not going to take long enough, throw a couple uh, heavy-duty effects on yeah. something <laughs> that it doesn't need and let it render. And the producer doesn't know. They just see the render bar. Um Okay, here's a good one. Restrict yourself, and I thought, what the heck does that mean? That's a good one. Yeah, and so their example was that uh, Dr. Seuss, when he wrote Green Eggs and Ham, he did that on a bet that he couldn't produce a story using less than fifty words. Oh, okay. And then that got me thinking about uh, Roger Corman did Little Shop of Horrors on a bet that he couldn't do a a movie for fifty thousand dollars in a weekend. And he did. (laughs) Wow. I'm impressed. So yeah, so those are so yeah, I can see where that does. It's we tend to go take the seek the path of least resistance, you know, as humans. By restricting yourself, it forces you to approach things completely differently and come up with new solutions, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought it was interesting.
0: Having constraints is really a valuable way of forcing you to be creative because if you have all of the choices, Mm -hmm. then you don't really know where to go. Whereas if you have one very narrow, when you've got a lot of restrictions, well, it's like, well, I can't spend a million dollars on renting that sky crane or, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or building out the set, you know. Um, you know, Che Baker has an Australian friend of mine that just produced a movie called New Blue Order. It's a low budget sci fi movie shot around Canberra in Australia. Mm-hmm. He tells me it's a low budget movie, but it doesn't look and feel like one. Wow. So he's done a, he's managed to creatively get a lot of value out of the money that he put into that into that movie because it's part of the growing in restrictions. Right. You, you know, if you're forced into a restriction, you'll be, you'll find ways of being creative. And well, and Lumberjack came out of a forced restriction. I you know, I could we would travel and log during the day for Solar Odyssey. We we could travel and shoot during the day, we could log it at night and then either sleep or edit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, somewhere in that set of restrictions mm-hmm. had to be something um, creative to find a way of getting around those restrictions. Similarly, the fact that we're on a boat traveling and not a lot of space means that we couldn't have a, a truck with a bunch of C-stands and HMIs and everything handing around mm-hmm. waiting for waiting for us to use or even traditional um, tripods were not part of the kit because there was no room to put them. So, again, it had to be forced creativity within those restrictions, and it's why I'm such a proponent of small kits. Not that they're good for everything, but, right, right. but they have <laughs> – it's usually pro- possible to shoot with a lot less and a lot smaller gear than, than we are used to, mm-hmm. and you can learn that when you get pushed into the situation of being forced to, how will I shoot in a restaurant without interrupting that restaurant and get good audio and good enough pictures? There are solutions. And if you come and do lunch with Philip and Greg, you'll find out how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been there. And we were bitching about GoPros before we started recording. But
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. Is it, it, similarly, I had uh, my first computer was a Mac Plus, and I had you know, you loaded the four hundred k. Uh, diskette that the system loaded off of, and then you loaded another 400k <laughs> diskette that you know you launch Microsoft Word from, etc. That's how you you ran and and then stuff. You p- and then you put your documents on yet another floppy disk. A- exactly. To, to Ex- exactly. And Microsoft Word now is I don't even know how big it. You know you need a DVD I guess, to 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 bring it in. And. You know, the code back then when they were working within all those restrictions, they had to be really careful about everything they did. And now code is so sloppy because, well, it just bolts something else on. There's plenty of room
0: to put it, you know, who cares? And, and when we have excess processor cycles, we can do things like fancy graphics and 3D real-time renders. And, you know, the whole gaming industry is based on, on redundant or useless or excess processor cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and on GPUs as well, but yeah. yeah. The thing is once when we were very constrained, we couldn't do these higher level, more human interactions. It's only when we have the extra processing power that's spare that we start to devote it to things that otherwise would have been ridiculously over the top and wasteful. And a lot of the code is just written as ridiculously over-the-top and wasteful. Yeah, and that's
1: that's that's my point, because they don't have the restriction there to have to be more creative about it anymore.
0: Don't have to fit on one floppy. Oh, make it two floppies. Oh, yes, make I it eight.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, put it on a CD. <laughs> trying to remember what software. There was one that I had that was uh, maybe it was Photoshop or something that was multiple diskettes you had to load from. Well, the, the Final Cut
0: for- Studio yeah. of, of days gone by was five DVDs or oh, six yeah. DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Some of that was was media,
1: but – Yeah, a lot of – yeah, there was a bunch of templates and stuff like that that were – But still, it's – That's right. It's gone.
0: It's gone. Uh, <laughs> Physical media is gone, and I'm marginally unhappy about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed. Reconceptualize the problem. So this is more research again. that Creative people tend to reconceptualize problems more often before starting a creative task. As Einstein once said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about
0: solutions. We had an employee in Australia, very talented guy, Gavin, and um, still going great in, the, in his career. He's doing great stuff in Newcastle. Very, very nice production. But we, we still to this day refer to Gavin Questions. <laughs> it's a, a, I'm not, not probably not going to be able to remember a specific example right now, but the question was more about how do I put an image onto this memory stick? Is the example that it might be the question? But what you really wanted to do was get an image from here to the other side of the world, right? Okay. So you know, reframing the question is like what What do you really want to do? Uh-huh. Not what is it? Not the question that you're asking, mm-hmm. but what is it that you're really truly trying to do that sits behind that? question, because you're only seeing the problem in that very narrow, I have perceived a solution, how I'm going to force my thinking down that path, rather than thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's another way of getting to that destination.
1: See, that's a great point. Yeah, that's reframing the question. Forces the creativity.
0: And that's, again, the restrictions coming back into play.
1: Yes. Well, that's true, yeah. Because you're, yeah, I guess in a way. But also, just going outside of it, as you said, do you, you you what is the, problem behind the problem you're yeah. trying to do instead of going how are we going to tell this story maybe you look at who does our audience our specific targeted audience want to see yeah so it's reconceptualizing that yeah okay that's a good point this one i just thought was weird i don't know maybe you hopefully this will trigger you into going yeah that makes sense to me um, <laughs> use counterfactual thinking also known as asking what might have been, has been shown to increase creativity for short periods of time. To experiment with this technique, take events that have already happened and reimagine different outcomes, alternating between the subtractive mindset, which is taking elements out of the event, and the additive mindset, which is adding something into the event.
0: Yeah, that one doesn't immediately resonate with me. I can see that it would be helpful, but I don't think I've ever implemented that or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I haven't it. either. I, well... Maybe
1: in personal life, you know,
0: when you think about something, what if I hadn't done that? Um. Yeah, yeah. I guess I tend to try to not go back over the past because there's one thing you can't change is yesterday or tomorrow. So yesterday in particular, you cannot make any no, changes. You can't make any changes. So, so good or bad, the decisions of the past are the decisions of the past. And change them today or change them tomorrow, but do not you can't change them yesterday. This is true. Um, That's not really quite the same thing.
1: no. I think though there are. I've seen books um, like books of uh, what would have happened if Hitler. Had, well, and there's a series on that if uh, we hadn't won World War II. Oh, okay. If Hitler won, so the United States is divided between uh, Germany and Japan. It's uh, it's oh what the Man in the High Tower. I think it's oh, okay. It's an Amazon series, anyways. But so those are examples yeah. of, of, of of doing that. Though I don't know – I still can't figure out how would you – where does that help in your normal creative process? So I don't know. Mm. Well, you know what? It got me to think about something there, so. <laughs> yeah. And breaking down the the impossible.
0: How do you a, mean? Well, there's a science fiction story that – where they have a footage of a guy with a anti-grav pack flying – and then crashes spectacularly, destroying the person and the pack. And so the Pentagon have gathered together the world's top um, scientists in the field and saying, what did he discover? We need you to solve the problem that this guy solved that we've shown you on the film. Okay. It's written early enough that we didn't have the CGI that everyone would just assume it is these days. Mm-hmm. And the upshot of the story is that over months of proving that it's impl- completely impossible and and that nothing can be done, it cannot be done, it's – you know. One scientist comes up with a, a, dis, a design that manages to overcome gravity and just lift this incredibly big machine off the ground a couple of inches. At which point, it's revealed that there never was <laughs> a working prototype. So this, no research would have ever de- been done because anti-gravity is impossible, and it's so deeply ingrained in people's thinking that this is impossible. Mm-hmm. That nobody could think of the possibility before. You can create something. You first have to think it's possible.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So
0: by breaking down the impossible by saying, "Well, see, it isn't impossible. It's already been done. Just you don't know how." That sets a different mindset mm-hmm. than it's impossible. I'm going to set out and do the impossible. No, you're not. Your brain is not going to let you set out right. to do the right. impossible. The right. brain is going to sabotage you every moment along the way. Which is why, if you're, you know, come back a little bit round a goal setting. You have to set goals that you believe you can get to. Yeah, I agree. You can't set goals that are so beyond your capability to believe that that your mind never accepts it as being a, a possible reality. Concrete and measurable—that's that's what I always for, for goal setting. I go with concrete, yes, and yeah, measurable. Yeah. Yes. A, a date and and yes. <laughs> a, a measurable outcome indeed. Yeah, otherwise it's not a goal; it's just a, a concept wish.
1: Or, or, yeah, a wish. There yeah. you go. Oh, so so the uh, the last one I have is uh, think about others. Research has shown that this psychological distance is an important part of being creative. For instance, one study found that people who thought their work would be used by someone else came up with more novel ideas. Conversely, those who were told they would be using their own creation later came up
0: with less novel ideas. I found huh. that interesting. That is interesting. You're, so, you're less creative if it's just for you. Yeah, and that's how I interpret that. Yeah, uh, that's okay. how I'm interpreting it too. Okay, yeah. um, huh?
1: I could see that because perfect example is you mentioned earlier. So so you have Greg write a piece of software for your problem, but since then you've had to add more things oh, that yeah, other yeah, people yeah, want. Yeah.
0: yeah, because other people say, uh, yeah, it's yeah. other people
1: say, well, that's great. If only you could do this as right. well, and right. Yeah. So that, as much of that as you can think ahead of time, that might, well, not in case when
0: you want to just get it out the door, but. A lot of the time we've released an app that we thought was, you know, feature complete mm-hmm. until it gets in the hands of users. Nice. And I've seen this uh, not only just with our apps, but with, with things like Photoshop and After Effects. You know, when After Effects was young, I was very much involved in the After Effects community. i I made good business basically being the DVE house mm. for Newcastle because I could use After Effects and had a Media 100 for I.O. So mm. perfect, you know. And what would happen, I think, is that After Effects team would introduce a feature and some creative artists would say, that's terrific. I can do all this and this and this and it would be great if now we would do, we'll do that. that. And so yeah. that gets feedback into the team and they, they have a really good relationship between uh, – Fairly large group of core users and and the fairly stable After Effects team. So mm-hmm. there's this constant circulation of ideas between those people who are pushing it to the, its limits mm-hmm. and those people who are creating its limits. And so they they've the products have got a lot lot stronger. And I assume the same thing has happened with with the other Adobe apps and with all apps really. Yeah,
1: well, all that are still around, all yeah. successful ones. Because if
0: you don't, if you continue don't do that, grow, yeah, yes, yeah. if you don't do that, if you don't meet your customers' needs, somebody else will somebody do. Somebody else, it. yeah. yeah. Well, so there you go. There's a whole, sub, a whole uh, podcast on the subject
1: of being creative. Any other uh, ideas you have on it? Any things you do?
0: No, my, my main one is, 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 the, is the, keeping doing things new. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got a lot of advantages creatively, mm-hmm. but it also has a lot of advantage personally because you're either growing or dying. And you're either growing mentally or you're, or you're fading down or you're growing physically or you're fading down. And mm-hmm. you know, that's where the exercise is useful beyond simply the keeping your brain fresh. So the big spaces, the, the new things, and shaking things up. You know. I don't really enjoy traveling. Wow. I enjoy the benefits of traveling. Oh, okay. I enjoy being in places other than where I live. Mm-hmm. But the process of traveling, air yeah, traveling. sucks. Oh, yeah, the, oh, sucks. <laughs> that part. Yeah,
1: no, okay, that part sucks, yes. Um, but well, being, I don't consider that traveling. I, I consider that getting to where I'm... Well,
0: maybe that's the case, and yeah. that's why when we, we travel to IBC, we make sure we do at least one or two side trips mm-hmm. as well since we have already traveled that 10 and a half hours. Ugh. Although, don't go to Barcelona for two days. Why? It's just, it's very wearing. I left here on Wednesday night and I was back for dinner on Saturday night. Oh. Why'd you do that? Um, to give a 45-minute presentation. Yeah, but, you know, you spend some more time there. That's a long way to well, go. Greg then. and I spent a week there last year before IBC, so there was not, it was not a fresh place for us to visit. Mm. Now, the Final Cut Pro Ten Tour event in Johannesburg... Wow, uh, next February. Now that might be something we might go and, and spend a week in Cape Town or Cape Town and Johannesburg beforehand. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Have That's you ever been there? No, no. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that
1: that would be interesting. Just it's about it's twenty-one hours
0: flying. It's how long? Twenty-one? Oh my with, God. with you know, yeah, yeah. So I am not doing that in less than a week. <laughs> but yes, yeah. tr- I think the travel and being in environments other than that which you are used to. Mm-hmm. Is very good for keeping you fresh, keeping your mind open to new things. And if you're not open to new things, you are not going to be creative. I agree. So I think the first step to being creative is to not say, I'm not creative. So you first of all have to accept that you are creative. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that you are doing something creative. Yeah, <laughs> Very, very good chance, I would hope. Uh, but you've also got to be open to the possibility that you your creativity will grow and – that you will find inspiration from all over the place. And the more that you expose yourself to, the more opportunities for inspiration you have. And a lot of those things that you've read out, the, the treasure chest and the like, are, are finding opportunities to create ways for your brain to get out of its own space and get out of the problem and into a new space. And, I, and that's and that's my goal on creativity is to get out into a bigger space and get in, into new ideas and keep getting into new ideas. And I don't want to ever grow old. I oh, yeah, mean, I, I may become chronologically more gifted, but I'm never going to be <laughs> old.
1: Chronologically more gifted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, like, that's good. I'm
1: stealing that. Yeah, it's uh, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure
0: it's not original. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, and so there you go. You heard it here. Go do something creative. Hey, that's creative.